Hi, everyone, and welcome to RX Rounds, a podcast that focuses on health education in the Caribbean community. I am your host, Alandra Mitchell. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to RX Rounds. So do you know the difference between a traditional headache and a migraine? Well, today's guest is Dr. Nicole Joseph, and she's a neurologist. She's currently in her final year of residency at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and will then be pursuing a vascular neurology fellowship at Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. Dr. Joseph is from the beautiful island of St. Lucia, and we are so excited to have her with us today. Hi, Dr. Joseph. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for having me on this platform. So yeah, I'm Dr. Nicole Joseph. I'm from St. Lucia. I'm currently in my fourth year of neurology residency at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And I did my medical school, uh, medical training in St. Lucia at Spartan Health Sciences University, which is an offshore U.S. medical school. And I did my clinical rotations at UE Mona in Jamaica. Um, when, I'll be, when I'm done next year uh, with residency, I'll be going off to Mayo Clinic Jacksonville in Florida. And I'll be doing a stroke fellowship um, I hope to practice as a neurohospitalist after that. I'm way more excited to move close to home and be near the beach again and <laughs> in warm weather, get out of Minnesota winter. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine yeah. that's a tough transition, especially from Jamaica and then <laughs> over to Minnesota. So yeah. yeah. Um, so tell us firstly, what are headaches and how they're classified? Yeah, definitely. So getting right into it. Um, Headaches are fit into two distinct categories, so primary headaches and secondary headaches. The primary headaches are intrinsic to the nervous system, and these fall under three main subtypes. And um, these include tension headaches. Patients will complain of pain in both sides of the head, a tight pressure-like sensation that can last a couple hours and even days sometimes. The other one that falls under this primary category are cluster headaches. And these can be pretty severe, usually on one side of the head, around the eyes or the temples. And um, they can be pretty short, about 15 minutes to three hours. And they come in clusters, just as the name suggests. And the last one that we'll be talking about and focusing on today are migraines. Um, And each of these three primary headache disorders, the main ones, have a specific diagnostic criteria. And just to touch on secondary headaches, so these are usually as a result of an underlying condition whether it be an infection like meningitis, brain mass or brain bleed, um, post-trauma. Sometimes patients can have brain swelling because of high blood pressure or hypertension. So it's usually secondary to an underlying cause. Let's jump into migraine specifically because a lot of folks tend to think they're pretty much the same. So how do you define a migraine specifically? So migraines are probably one of the most common disabling primary headache disorders that patients present to their primary care physicians for if they're being evaluated for headaches. Um, Migraines can be further broken down into subtypes, those with aura, and auras are this transient or fully reversible focal neurologic deficit or symptom that patients can have usually before the headache comes on or it can accompany the headache. The most common types of auras that patients have are uh, visual auras. So they may describe a zigzag type of um, shapes in the the vision or blind spots or what we call scotomas. The second type patients can have are sensory symptoms. So numbness or tingling sensation in their face, arms or legs. And speech uh, speech disturbances like 
um, word finding difficulties are also common. And sometimes patients can have multiple. So they usually come in succession. So if it's a visual, sensory, and then a speech dis uh, dis disturbance. Um, then there are patients who have migraines without aura. So none of these are the preceding symptoms will occur. With migraines too, patients can have prodromes or postdrome phases. These can come a couple hours or days before the headache and after. So they may feel lethargic or irritable, depressed, um, have some food cravings just before the headaches come on. So it's a, it's a complex set of symptoms that are included in the migraine spectrum. And we have a specific criteria, like I mentioned, in terms of diagnosis for migraines. So typically, the attacks last about four to 72 hours if they're untreated or if they're inadequately treated. And they have to have at least two out of the four following characteristics. So it's usually on one side of the head. Um, they describe this throbbing, pulsating type quality, and it can be very intense, whether it be moderate to severe pain intensity. And patients typically avoid any routine physical activity. So they prefer to go lay down, dark, quiet room, um, because it's, any type of activity tends to aggravate the pain. The migraines tend to also um, present with nausea and vomiting, as well as light and sound sensitivity. So patients have either one or two of, the follow of these characteristics. And once you have five or more attacks that have these, um, that meet this specific criteria, then patients usually have a diagnosis of migraine. Mm. And in so, terms of, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, and just the last thing, in terms of how we further classify how frequent patients have these headaches, so patients can have episodic migraines or chronic migraines. Mm. So chronic migraines occur if patients have 15 or more headache days a month, and if it's lasting more than three months. And that's important because it actually changes in terms of management, how we treat these patients. I want to kind of go into a little bit about the auras because you said you could have sensory um, responses or you can have a visual change. Is this usually within hours or is it over days you would have the aura before the migraine comes along? Usually within hours. Okay. So patients can usually tell that the headache's coming on pretty soon by this preceding aura. Okay. So it's kind of like a, a something that will tell you that your head the migraines are coming on and then prodromal happens maybe days before is that the distinction yeah okay cool but the auras are specific focal neurologic deficits the pro the prodrome symptoms can be more of just a general feeling like lethargic or just irritable tired that you have that feeling sensation before the headache comes on gotcha so tell us what causes these migraines so patients tend to have a genetic susceptibility um, to migraines. It's a combination of different factors. So usually it's genetic, uh, genetically determined that there is a dysfunction within the pain processing system in the brain. And this tends to be worsened by environmental factors. So at baseline, if there's a genetic disposition, patients have higher sensitivity towards pain and non-painful stimuli. And um, there may be an infl inflammatory response that is thought to account for how long the headaches last, as well as how intense they are. Mm -hmm. There are also certain hormones and um, peptides in the brain that play a role. And these, are certain, these act as targets for certain migraine medications. So we found that there are certain, um, just these 
molecules that play a role in, in the pathogenesis of, the, of migraines. In patients who do not have a genetic disposition or predisposition, usually there's another factor that has happened in the past, whether it be head or neck trauma, they have a history of brain infections like meningitis, or they've had a prior stroke and this ends up triggering uh, migraines in the future. Good. And that hormonal aspect you talk about might explain why some women get headaches like before the period or things like that. Correct. So certain hormone fluctuations can trigger migraines and um, whether it be emotional stress, um, hormone fluctuations, visual stimuli like bright lights, weather changes, uh, fasting, smoke or odors, and specifically sleep disturbances. So I just wanted to highlight sleep specifically because um, there's usually a coexistence of migraine and sleep issues. Poor sleep quality has been associated with increased migraine frequency and disability. So we, I usually ask that question when I see my patients, how their sleep is, and <laughs> look into like sleep apnea. Because um, these things, treating, treating that or any sleep disorders might also affect the management of migraines. Um, there are different foods that patients usually self-report, but there's very limited scientific evidence to justify which foods may trigger migraines. Some, some patients report um, like aged cheese or tyramine-containing foods, alcohol and wine and beer or artificial sweeteners, processed meats, MSG-containing foods, and caffeine frequently um, gets reported whether it's withdrawal or excess. So it's a very <laughs> complex relationship between caffeine and migraines. Right. I just ask patients to you know, be in tune with your body and whatever feels right for you. Right. If patients do um, try to figure out what foods trigger their headaches, if you eat a certain food, I usually try to tell them that within 12 to 24 hours, it should trigger a headache. And if, you, if that does happen, then you limit that food for a couple of weeks, monitor your headache frequency and the severity, and use a headache diary to keep track. And um, if there's no change to your headaches, then that food alone is probably not a trigger. But I also advise patients to be careful not to be too obsessed with which foods may or may not trigger because you don't want to be too concerned about avoiding foods and then that may be burdensome and you don't really enjoy mealtime and that may actually trigger more headaches. <laughs> giving you a headache. <laughs> yeah, you get more stressed out thinking what's causing it than actually enjoying the food itself. Exactly. <laughs> wow. So what are some of the techniques or lifestyle modifications that folks can use to prevent um, or reduce the headaches that you may get or the migraines. I know you mentioned um, in terms of lifestyle, you know, trying to figure out what foods are causing it, but what are some other things you can do? Yeah. Um, so one of the main proven migraine preventatives in terms of lifestyle modifications is regular aerobic exercise. Mm. So I advise my patients to at least get in 115 minutes per week over three to five days of moderate to in high intense aerobic exercise because that's one of the proven treatments or preventatives. And obesity does have a high association with increased frequency and severity of migraines. So that plays an important role in terms of management. The other lifestyle changes or techniques are really just focus on your overall health and well-being. So good sleep hygiene, as we mentioned earlier, um, sleep disorders may may trigger headaches. So if patients have sleep apnea, that needs to be 
um, treated with CPAP that can be a part of your migraine manage management as well because poor sleep affects or coexists with migraines. Mm -hmm. Good meal routines and eating on time, stress management, staying hydrated, um, and avoiding the triggers that you notice may bring on your, your headaches or your migraines. There's very limited data to support all the other lifestyle modifications per se, but they're generally low risk and it's really about your overall health and well-being. So I usually try to promote it. And um, some of them can be difficult to adhere to based on your work and your schedule. And right. <laughs> so you try to be flexible, but you know, at the end of the day, you just have to prioritize yourself, you know? Yeah. Well, we're going to segue into our Mythbuster segment. I think this is probably the most um, interesting part of this, and especially for migraines, because there are some, some myths out there associated with migraines. And one that I hear a lot is that folks think it's just a bad headache. What would you say to that? So migraines are definitely not just a simple bad headache. It's way more complex than that. Um, as we spoke about the other symptoms that are associated, nausea, vomiting, light sound sensitivity, there's a prodrome, there's a postrome, there's aura. It's pretty intense. It's very complex. And sometimes patients may have headaches that go on for longer than three days. And we call that status migranosis. And it's a pretty disabling migraine attack um, that patients usually come to the ED or urgent care for IV treatment for. Migraines can also be associated with other, I guess, other medical comorbidities or conditions. So migraines and strokes. Patients particularly with auras or migraine with aura, there's an associate, it's a risk factor for cerebrovascular events or strokes. And we don't do anything in particular for these patients besides mitigating stroke risk factors, don't like avoid smoking or smoking cessation. Um, if you're on oral contraceptives of high estrogen, that may also implicate like stroke risk factors. And so we just try to address these issues and let patients know that this is a risk factor for getting a stroke. Um, migraines have also been associated with anxiety and depression. There isn't a causal relationship per se, but it's bimodal. So each can make each other worse mm -hmm. because of how debilitating and just disabling migraines can be. And I also want to point out that there are certain red flags. So when you should be aware that it's not a headache, like it's not just a migraine. So it's not simply just a bad headache. So if patients present with what we call a thunderclap headache or a headache that comes on with a split second, they usually say, is the worst headache of my life. Um, they should definitely come to the emergency department for evaluation. If this is your first headache, never had a history of headaches before, and it's just been progressive, going on for a long time, not letting up with treatment, come in for evaluation. Other factors like if you have new neurologic symptoms, such as confusion, vision changes, weakness, personality change, fever, neck stiffness, vomiting, that could be concerning for infection, should definitely come in. Um, headaches in patients who have a history of cancer or HIV, headaches in patients who are pregnant, um, headaches in older patients, they definitely should be seen by their physician or come into the emergency department if, if they have these concerning signs and symptoms. And usually we, it, this warrants head imaging, so at least a head CT or an MRI brain, and we're looking for secondary causes, so like brain masses, brain bleeds, if patients are on blood thinners or they have a clotting disorder, they have high blood pressure, if they have 
CFSF leak, or which is like the fluid that's around, um, surrounding the brain and spinal cord, if it's leaking out and causing the pressure in the brain to, or surrounding the brain to be low, or they have high pressure in the brain. So all these other factors may put our airs up or mm -hmm. have red flags, you know, that you should come to see a doctor and it's not just a simple headache or a simple bad headache. Yeah, I think it's great that you mentioned those red flags because something that I try to um, promote a lot is folks who have head trauma. For instance, mm -hmm. you know, you fell, you hit your head, and then you experience this headache. Do not go to sleep afterwards <laughs> to try to get rid of the headache. This is the time when you need to be going into the emergency room and getting that head CT because that trauma could have caused a lot more damage than you think, and it's not just a headache, right? Exactly. Yeah, we try, to, we try to see these patients as soon as possible and get an evaluation started. Um, there's another one I hear all the time, you know, migraines are a woman's problem. So what do you think of that, that myth? <laughs> it's definitely more common in women. So compared to men, is, in women, it's two to one ratio. Um, but because of that myth, men are less likely to seek medical attention less likely to receive a precise diagnosis for their headaches, whether it be migraine or something else, and less likely to get appropriate treatment. We also see disparities in healthcare in terms of headache management. So patients who have low socioeconomic status or lack health insurance are less likely to present um, to get a diagnosis or treatment as well. So guys, no, it's not just a woman's problem. So <laughs> if you have a headache and need to get a diagnosis, please go see your primary care physician or neurologist. Awesome. So a lot of folks think, like we said earlier, if we just take a nap, it'll go away. Or if we just, um, I just sit here in the dark for a while, it'll go away. So how are we gonna try to get that mindset to be shifted towards taking care of these things with headaches? So it, in migraines, um, if they're untreated or they're inadequately treated, they usually last hours to days and it's a disabling process. Why put yourself through that injustice, you know, <laughs> when there are so many treatments available? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I think it's important to, that's why it's so important to present for evaluation, get a proper diagnosis for migraines, if it, if it is migraines for your headaches and um, seek appropriate treatment because there are several options available to patients and you don't have to be suffering in pain or missing out on work or just laying in the dark for hours waiting for it to go away when you can live your life you know <laughs> yeah so you guys and i usually do the clinical pearl segment on my own but because we have a neurologist with us you know we are gonna probably have her go through some of those um, treatments with us and get some great insight of these treatments. So we'll know how we should be discussing with our doctors what what type of uh, therapy we can use for headache, for my management of migraines. So tell us a little bit about those treatment options and then the management options. So the treatment options, how I usually counsel my patients is that we split it into abortive therapies, which are those rescue medications that patients take um, when the headache comes on. I usually try to get them to take it within an hour and preferably a large single dose rather than repeated small doses. So try to hit it hard at the beginning. And the abortive medications are split into simple analgesics. So 
acetaminophen uh, or what Panadol, <laughs> if it's a very low grade, if my low grade headache or migraine, naproxen or Aleve. And these simple analgesics, I, frequent, I, I try to counsel patients not to use it more than 14 days a month because sometimes patients go on and they just keep taking the over-the-counter medications. And there's a risk of what we call medication overuse headache. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want to have that on top of your migraines. <laughs> so um, you can always start off with the simple um, painkillers. And we'll talk about more complex ones going on. But um, try to limit them, try to limit the simple analgesics to 14 days a month. There are anti-nausea medications that can be used. They provide dual benefits. So one of them is compazine. And so if you have nausea and vomiting with your migraines, you get that dual benefit of the anti-nausea effect, and it also helps with the headache as well. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the um, confounding meds that I try to use in terms of in combination. There are triptans, which, so that's a suffix, all the medication names end, end in triptan. <laughs> yeah. And they work by blocking one of the hormones called serotonin. And they can come in oral and subcutaneous routes, um, frequently used in, in migraine as an abortive medication. And these, we try not to use more than nine times a month because they can also trigger medication overuse headaches. Some of the new kids on the block are CGRP blockers. And these are peptides that um, are implicated in migraine pathophysiology. And these CGRP CGRP blockers are used in patients who are not able to tolerate triptans if they find that triptans are not effective or triptans are contraindicated. So if patients have a history of cardiac or cerebrovascular disease or cerebrovascular risk factors, um, and you don't want to use a triptan that can constrict those blood vessels or make your blood pressure go even higher, then we try to, we offer those CGRP antagonists as another option. Um, a lot of these are used in combination. Um, and if you're using it very frequently, I know we mentioned medication overuse headaches earlier, but if you find that you have to be using these abortive medications more than 14 days a month, then it's time to start talking about a prophylactic medication. So these are the preventatives. And um, the indications for prophylaxis, prophylaxis sorry, are if patients are having very frequent or long duration migraines, if they're significantly impaired by their migraines, like you're missing work um, very often, have to call in sick, have sick days, or if they're overusing these abortive treatments, or let's say if the abortive treatments are contraindicated like triptans. I usually try to tell people that the goal with the prophylaxis is to try to re reduce the frequency and the severity of the headaches by about 50%. So sometimes people have the expectation that... That's going to go away. <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I just try to be realistic. I mean, if it goes away completely, that's great. But at the beginning, set that standard that at least by 50% we're hoping for in terms of the severity, the frequency of your headaches, and your overall improving your overall function and reducing disability. Um, with the preventative medications, we usually do one medication at a time and give it some time to work about three months before we consider it a failure. And we start 
low and titrate up to the highest tolerated dose um, within a, obviously the goal range. So patients are not taking more than they need to. And um, based on side effects as well, we monitor side effects. So these medications tend to fall under different categories. So it's, it's interesting because they are used for migraines, but um, a lot of them are made for other reasons. So antidepressants, anti-seizure medications, yeah. anti-hypertensives. So it's very important when patients come in and they're talking about a preventative, if you're going to start one that you tell them, this is actually a medication that has been used for depression, but it's very good for migraines. And it's one of the top line uses, uses for migraines. Because sometimes they go to the pharmacy and they get their prescription filled and <laughs> their counsel may be like on depression um, or antihypertensive <laughs> or seizure. And, <laughs> and they're like, I don't have those. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so you end up not filling the prescription. Yeah. And yeah, there goes your management options. So it's very good to know that up front. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I like to touch on with the preventatives as well is the side effect profile. Sometimes we use that to our advantage. So if a medication, one of them example is like topiramate that helps with weight loss. So if patients are um, having difficulty with weight loss and, and, you know, you actually benefit from the side effects. And as we spoke about obesity and migraine, there is a, there is a link. So we try to mitigate and, and have that dual benefit from one medication. Ones like nortriptyline help with sleep. So if patients have insomnia, and migraines so then you know try to mitigate both of these and you Mm -hmm. just kill two birds with one stone and will also help with depression or if you have exactly so that's great to know and a lot of the times your physician or your neurologist is going to be able to tell you how you how they're going to pair these medications and explain this stuff to you but it's always good for you to come in with an idea and you can talk to your physician about it Um, what about some of the home treatments? Because we know a lot of our folks are going to try to find the teas and the drinks and all of these options to, in their backyards to help with headaches. What do you think about those? Yeah, so there's a role for nutraceuticals in migraine management. Um, one that I really like is riboflavin, especially Mm -hmm. in like pregnant patients. Is vitamin B2 used in higher doses, taken daily, um, and low side effect profile. So I use that as one of my adjunctive uh, medications or supplements, per se. Um, The other ones that we use are magnesium. Usually patients have side effects like loose stools with that one, so it's not very favorable. Mm -hmm. And um, coenzyme Q10 is another one that we use, one of the nutraceuticals that we use too. Um, sometimes it's, it's hard. I try to just go with, with patient preference too, because um, a lot of this is, is a platter <laughs> yeah. that we try to cater to people, um, one based on their comorbidities, their side effect profile, the likelihood that they will take it. So I try to meet patients in that way once I'm counseling. If you would like to try, you know, nutraceuticals first, the, the profile or, or level of efficacy um, would 
bias me towards the prophylactics that have been proven. Mm -hmm. And so um, I usually use the nutraceuticals as adjuncts as well. Some of the cool therapies too that we could talk about. Yeah. Um, so one of my favorites, Botox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, my classmates love, my co-residents, we all love to, to do Botox. Um, but it's used for chronic migraines. Mm-hmm. And the, like we spoke about earlier, chronic migraines are patients who have more than 15 days of headaches a month and lasting more than three months at a time. So Botox is, are injections that are placed throughout, in muscles throughout the head and neck. <clears throat> and it's administered every three months. It's pretty effective. Usually the times or the limitations with that is based on insurance approval. So patients are usually um, not really barred per se, but they have to fail the oral medications first before they get approved for Botox. But otherwise, it can be very effective. And um, it's only every three months, so it's pretty good compliance, especially if you don't want to take pills every day. Um, The other new medications are the CGRP blockers, and these are subcutaneous injections that are monthly. They can be expensive too, and also based on insurance approval, but um, they're pretty effective. And we also have devices that patients can use. So Mm -hmm. things like cephaly, which is a non-invasive transcutaneous nerve stimulator that you just place on your forehead daily, um, about 20 minutes a day. And and for 20 minutes, it will provide prophylactic migraine treatment. And if you're having an acute migraine attack, um, use it for an hour. These require a prescription for for patients to get those. And um, there are some of the magnetic simulators as well that um, patients can discuss with their primary care physician. Sometimes if patients also need like a a breakthrough, like you're maybe not due for your Botox for a while and you're having a pretty bad headache and you just need an abortive at the time, we can also consider nerve blocks. Okay. These act as one of our abortive therapies as well. And lastly, I also wanted to talk about behavioral therapies or cognitive behavioral therapies that also play a role in addition to medications. So um, these would probably fall in the lifestyle modifications too, but sometimes there are different cognitive behavioral therapy that can be used in management, such as desensitization. If you have like a certain migraine trigger and they try to expose you just gradually, Mm-hmm. to that trigger so it doesn't keep um, bringing on migraine attacks. And they also teach like very good relaxation techniques in terms of stress management. And so these can be helpful as an adjunct with medication that we combine as well. Terrific. Um, is there anything else you want to tell us in closing? Sure. Um, I usually advise patients to also keep a headache diary. Mm-hmm. It's important uh, before and after you started a new medication to help keep track of how many headaches you have, how bad they are, um, as well as identifying any triggers or precipitating factors. We spoke about a lot, and like you said, we can go on for days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as you can tell, it's very comprehensive. It's not just about pills, or it's not just about one thing versus the other, but it's a very comprehensive, multidisciplinary approach to management. 
And this is just a very general overview, but um, I usually advise patients to seek personalized ad advice, medical advice from their primary care physician and or neurologist. Terrific. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Joseph. I think this was a great episode and I definitely want folks to have an opportunity to reach out to you. Um, where can they find you? I do my Twitter. So I'm on, <laughs> I'm on Twitter um, at Nicole, N-Y-C-O-L-E, K-Joseph, M-D. And I also wanted to give a shout out to um, Dr. Ivan Garza, who is my headache mentor or one of the headache specialists here at Mayo Clinic, who I work very closely with um, on my headache rotation. And um, he was so looking forward to coming to the Caribbean and Aww. the pandemic hit. So <laughs> hopefully he'll get to come and especially with being able to share this type of information with our audience. So, Absolutely. I think that would be awesome if you could get to visit, maybe do some <laughs> island hopping. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate talking to you and we'll definitely have to keep in touch with you next time. Maybe we can get into some of the stuff that you're going to be doing with stroke. The cause of migraines is not well understood and can vary with each patient. Speak to your doctor about the therapy options available in your country. If you enjoyed this episode, visit RX Rounds on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. And don't forget to like, comment and subscribe to this podcast. And we'll see you next rounds on RX Rounds.